Okay. So. Alright, <laughs> I'm I'm Ari Watson. Um, I'm Reese Griffin. I'm Avery Krause. And we're starting, and this episode or podcast is going to be about um, some controversial issues that are happening right now in our society and that are relevant to, I think, our day and age as uh, younger generations and as, like, a town. So, sweet. Um, so how did this, how did this podcast, like, come to be the idea of doing the episode? Okay, so originally, um, I had wanted to write a editorial about some things that I had, I have observed in our, um, society about, um, controversies between older generations and young, younger generations going head to head about, um, a lot of them, like, representation in media, how social media has affected our lives, um, growing up as, like, a technology surround, um, generation, Gen Z, um, also, um, how different, uh, movements such as like feminism or um, LGBTQ plus have grown since um, older generations were younger and um, just some like things that have grown new laws that have come into place and um, other things that affected our school and our town um, in general cool all right so let's get started okay so the first thing I wanted to talk about and I just want to like wrecked all brains around like kind of pick out pick out what y'all are thinking about is um your aspects on feminism as we are all three young women um so now this day and age it's very we call ourselves third wave feminism or like that's what feminists like to call themselves however i believe personally that that strays away from like the original um feminist like mission its motive um especially in the 1920s, I mean, or in even earlier in the early 1900s, how women were like, we want the right to vote, we want equal rights, we want to be the same as men, we want to be treated as the same as men, men in a patriarchal society. And we've done some, we have the right to vote, we are working, but yeah, we are still working on equal play, equal pay, um, getting the right to just be in, um, business like in professions how this is like this is a woman's job versus a man's job but like there should not be a um, division in those things so any thoughts and stuff (laughs) I think it's really interesting you know just to look back on history and I know it was always really eye-opening eye-opening for me um, sitting in history class and like learning about how much women have really struggled in the past and like today it's hard for me to even fathom what it would be like to not have the opportunity to go get a job but then it like brings me back to this place where that's that's how it is for a lot of women and not even in America necessarily um but just in the world and it's sad to me and it like breaks my heart to think about how women in other countries are treated. Um, I know that there are like places in the Middle East where if a woman is like even just on her period, she's not allowed to live in the house and things like that. Um, I mean, it just really rubs me the wrong way. But when you look at where we're at, though we're privileged and we have many more opportunities than 
other women around the world, there's still a, like, desire to forge ahead and, like, do better for ourselves even still. And I think there is a role for women in society that it doesn't look exactly the same as men. Like, we don't have to necessarily be the same, but there is, like, the equal pay. Like, we don't have to have the same exact role. I think it's kind of like, let's appreciate women or men or whoever you are for your strengths. And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter like how you sexually orientate or whatever. It's just like, everyone has something to offer. And I think it's also tied to racism and just like those preconceived ideas of people being worthy or not of equality. And it's like, why wouldn't we give them the same opportunity as everyone else? It's being like a part of a human race versus being a part of a gender or an identity or one solid, like, this is what we are. No, we're, we're all humans. We're all classified as that. And so it doesn't matter if you're a male, female, um, if you don't have a identity at all, you don't have a gender at all, if you're bo- uh, non-binary, whatever it is that you want to be, we're all the same thing, so we should all be equal onto that. Yeah, and it absolutely. shouldn't... Um, nobody's better than not one thing is better than the others so yeah just that acceptance and I think that it it's also tied to like the systems that we have in place right now and they're almost like so rigid that there's just no room for fluidity Mm -hmm. and they're old like these systems that we have today have been here for so long that it's just not not working anymore Mm -hmm. and for a long time I thought that it was like, oh, our systems are just broken and they need to be fixed. But recently I would say that my ideas around that have changed because maybe these systems are doing exactly what they were built to do, to keep the power more, like the powerful more powerful and um, just like the gap in um, classes and just like the patriarchy and whatever you want to call it i think that the systems that we have today are doing exactly what they were meant to do when they were built in the very early years of america um i mean of course the people that made them were going to keep their best interest in mind rather than everyone's best interest and so now that there have been so many movements throughout history like for women and for people of color and just any sort of minority, it's it's almost like we're finding our voice again. It's like the systems aren't broken, they just need to evolve to the times that we have right now to um, like at least not fix themselves, but like, hey, maybe add on a little bit that's a little more relevant to now. And yeah, I agree, like there's different points to everything and um, I mean we they keep saying that history repeats itself so I think that's why sometimes our systems come back into like oh this is relevant now it still is that's the argument but it can, it has to be like a newer relevance it needs to be a different relevance and yes history repeats itself but sometimes those things can um, become on a little more stronger than it was in the past and so especially like um, Right now we have our um, 
very expressions of like who your identity on media on everything and that's um something that's very controversial now and th today so like how do we express ourselves how do we we want to be different people we are raised to be who be who you want to be and so now we're taking that as um as a younger generation and we're expressing ourselves we're we're searching for what it is we're meant to be and who it is we want to be and we're letting we're not letting anything um, affect us very much and sometimes we can take that overboard and sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing just like everything else but um, I thought that was like something else that was um, affecting I mean it's a little bit of controversy too so um, I mean that's just my opinion on how I would view all of that I think um, this, like, rewriting the rules is definitely the feminism that we would identify with, and the third wave feminism would be taking all of these, like, the to keep the powerful more powerful, and you suppress the people that have always been suppressed. I think third wave feminism is just using the rules we have to their benefit. Yeah. And it's just they're becoming the very thing that they hate. Yeah. Yes. And they're becoming the powerful, and they want to stay powerful. They want to stay on top. And I think part of it showed up because of this fear that the second we release control it's going to be taken from us and we won't have any choice we won't have yeah. the right anymore yeah it's the same way the fear of the patriarchal i mean the patriarchy is gripping onto that too i mean there's so much hate with each other when we're really we're fighting for the same thing it's just we're it's the fear of that we could be wrong and we or we could have any of this taken away from us at any moment that keeps us from realizing that we're everybody's fighting for the same equality everybody's fighting for the same power we just don't realize that it's we're just afraid that if we even let our guard down just a little bit that power can be taken from us in a split second yeah absolutely i want to backtrack just a little bit and like for those of you that don't know what third wave feminism is reese do you want to define it and explain it um so from third wave feminism and there's probably there's a lot of different ways to define that but um the one that i found is that um so feminism nowadays is women um any anything any minority that is um feels oppressed by the um, patriarchal society by the misogyny of our society of now by um, it doesn't have to be just women it can be also um, LGBTQ plus it can be um, different races it can be anything like that but they're taking instead of being like we're gonna preach equality for these people we're gonna preach that they are um, that we are not less than this where they are preaching third wave feminism is preaching we're better we need to be better we need to um be make the almost like make the men become um the minority become the lesser and that's not what feminism was meant to be at all and it's not what it should have ever evolved to be and which is why we brought this up about the um making it more than what it should be and making it the fear and the stricken and yeah. the wanting to keep that power it's like the roles of what was perceived as or who was perceived as inferior and superior it's as if third wave feminism is just trying to flip that so now the minorities are becoming superior and then 
the straight white males are becoming inferior. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, I think that a lot of times with these kind of topics, it's easy for people to become the very thing that they hate. And um, I think that's not how feminism was intended to be in the very beginning. And like, when we go back to like what we really want and like, what do you want to achieve and what do you want to see changed in society today? It's like, can't we just do away with all of this? And like Ari said, just a rewriting of all of the rules and that's exactly what I want, that just, like, new way of doing things and new way of seeing people um, and just kind of, like, a clean slate and, like, I see you for who you are and, you know, like, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos about, like, um, societal constructs and when when you grow up, especially in a small town such as this one, it's easy to be afraid of people that are different than you and um it's okay up into a point but sometimes it's threatening and it goes back to that like control thing and everyone just wants to be in control of their own life and so when you see someone that's different than you as a threat then that becomes like a natural instinct to just fight them and be full of hate and then you're not getting anywhere. You're not making any progress. And Avery, I really liked um, when we had discussed what we were gonna talk about yesterday, how you had said about how hate is taught, how your love is like, how loving and being kind to people is is an intuitive thing, but however, hate and um, judgment in a way is also taught from an early age. It It doesn't have to be from the moment you were born, obviously, or when you're learning things, but it could be from experiences that you've seen. It could be experiences that you've, um, from observations, it can be from experiences you've had. It can be from um, anything that is that ha- was valid, that has made an impact on you from when you were growing up. Yeah, absolutely. I have a really cool story about that that I'll share, but uh, my sister, she's a fifth grader now. I love her with my whole heart, but she was telling me a story about one of her classmates that told her she was lesbian and my sister was like cool you do you and I was like that's awesome and she's just telling me about it and I was really happy to hear that she didn't have any sort of preconceived judgment um or like sense of shame for that person like that's nothing to be ashamed about and she was supportive and she had told a few people that are older and um like much older (laughs) and um very religious and I don't want to say closed-minded necessarily but definitely not accepting of others and whenever my sister was talking to them they asked her like well how does she even know what she likes and my sister was just like I don't know it's not any of my business and I was just so proud of her and it was like here you are in fifth grade and it's just intuitive it's natural it's like easy for her to be accepting and so it just goes to show that like surrounding yourself with people that do feel threatened and are acting out of fear is what results in 
judgment and like being small-minded because that's taught and it's taught through so many different ways whether it's like bias in school from your teachers and it's not even necessarily their fault but it's something to be aware of that there is bias in our education systems and um whether it's like religious systems or the way that you were raised i know reese you talked about that to me a little bit yesterday but our i think that like our generation is doing something really cool and i'm excited to see how we parent our kids because it seems as if we're much more conscious of how we're raising our kids and not instilling them with ideas and notions of judgment or hate and just allowing them to be accepting as they naturally are. And those, those preconceived ideas, technically they're never preconceived. It's something you teach to a kid at a young age and something I notice as like a kid who was raised in, um, I'm not going to say like a religious household. My mom was very, you know, let's people are people it's none of your business sorry you just love love people yeah (laughs) my mom (laughs) she didn't like intend to teach me to be that way she just is that way um but i think a lot of it will stem from like how you react as a parent to different things like if your son is playing with dolls a lot of parents would like react badly to that my child's playing with dolls he must be gay like these kids don't know what that is they're Five, they're children. <laughs> like, they're not going to play with dolls. And so what if they do? Like, let them. That, and it's actually a proven thing to be super healthy for, like, young boys yeah. to play with dolls. And they need that because if they're not taught those, like, parent... Maternal mm, instincts. Yeah. Those, yeah. Yeah, those, like... <laughs> those, like, paternal... Parental. Those, those parental instincts. <laughs> not maternal. <laughs> no. <laughs> those, those parent instincts to take care of children, then that's that part of that development of their brain will never be developed and then when your brain stops growing at that point they will have never like formed that to the best of their ability because they never got the chance to play with dolls because it was it was preconceived as like a homosexual thing to do and it was gay it's bad and like avery mentioned i had been talking to her about that yesterday um i had just mentioned how like i also i mean i'm pretty sure everybody knows i've grown up in church I've grown up in a religious household for my entire life my both my parent well my mom was my dad for most of his life as well so um I've grown up with the idea and we never really spoke we've never really talked about it um it wasn't really ever brought up or at least not nothing that I had paid in to do it didn't really affect me when I was younger so I didn't really understand um my parents were very like you can be whoever you want to be my mom grew up with two brothers so she was very tomboyish like it wasn't a bad it wasn't a big deal it wasn't anything like that it wasn't like they were like you need to be a girl and you can only be a girl and there's only need um you can only do girly things like that was never a thing but it was also never until recently when this has all when the queer side of everything has shown up was when those opinions of my own have formed of all of that since I was taught since I, that wasn't really anything I was taught to hate when, as a young kid, I never really judged it anyway. So this, my pre, my judgment of this is nothing. I have no judgment against any of anybody. I mean, be who you want to be. It doesn't matter. That's not for me to judge anyway, because as a, as somebody who is a Christian who believes in um, what I believe in, 
it's not my place to judge anyway. Right. There's something, uh, there's a higher power that's, that is going to judge that one day, but I don't know what that is, so why would I have prejudgment of that? Why would I not just love everybody that I know? And because they're not affecting me. It's not affecting me personally. I have my own beliefs, and if they respect that, then I respect them and their beliefs. I'm, we're not going to have this turmoil of respect, of this turmoil of judgment that is not, in the end, won't even matter. So that's just my thoughts on that. And um, I kind of wanted to segue into, like, the other hate side of everything, and that has also been come up with... Um, children is how we've is how children are colorblind do you know what that means like um, oh yeah yeah that we've like they're not taught to think about these things and they don't they don't think about these things until they're taught to yes and kids will not look at someone and go black person i must hate them or right. it's a black person i must absolutely have they to have be nice a to them different religion they're or they not, have yeah. a different yeah. a w- culture they have a different yeah. way of they're life they're not taught to think about that and analyze how to react until someone teaches them to and it i feel creates something that's very confusing for a kid like my brother is in in fifth grade and he loves everybody he wants everybody to be his friend and that's that's his life that's it he wants everybody to love him and he loves everybody no one has done anything wrong and he doesn't start thinking about you know like what if they don't and his first crisis of fifth grade was my friend doesn't believe in jesus because his friend is jewish and he so he wasn't like thinking about it until he brought up christmas and his friend was like well what's christmas Mm -hmm. and i was like well you can explain it to him because that's something you celebrate but you also if he celebrates a different holiday you can't put him down and he never would he never would he just wants everybody he wants to teach everybody about everything and he wants everybody to love it and so that's 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 part of that like childhood innocence that's Mm -hmm. broken when you start teaching kids to think about these things And some of it's good, and some things, some things are like, maybe we shouldn't have taught children that. But, and sometimes it's accidental. I mean, there's just so much. Coming back from what I said in the beginning is we are, we have been raised with technology. We've been raised with social media. Um, we don't remember when, a time without one. And so we don't remember that time of that instant gratification of like, bam, I have the news on my phone. I have this. I have issues brought up on Instagram like five minutes after they've already happened. I mean, we have so many things and some of it, yes, is fake and you have to really research that in order to have an opinion on it. But some of that is also very true. And I think some of that ruins our childhood innocence as we grow up older. And so it's not even taught. It's almost as it's just thrown in our faces half the time. And some I mean some of it is also good there's it's also making um younger and younger generations realize like hey there's this thing as global warming and it's bad yeah. and we need to save it I mean we've been taught about endangered species since we since we were little but now uh, one of these little kids I babysat the other day talked about how an elephant's her favorite animal and she was like it's really sad how some of them are um dying off right now and she's like six or seven and I was like I'm I was like, oh, yeah. She was like, do you know they're endangered? And I was like, yes, I do. And she was like, I just, I want to help the elephants. So, and she showed me this plush, like, elephant that she had. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, save the elephants. And um, I was like, it's so cool how, like, there's so much of that representation. And that's yeah. that's good. And, I mean, some of its innocence is bad. And some of that innocence loss is good because you're like, hey, you're also, you're learning things from a younger age that I didn't even know until I was older and I didn't really understand until I was older. And now, but you can help that as like a younger person. You can 
um, represent that as a younger person mm-hmm. and continue that when you grow up. Absolutely. I think that there's a lot to be said for, well, okay. So it can be a good way of teaching your kids and it can be a bad way of teaching your kids and not necessarily like verbally telling them this is how it is but just being that example and your kids are always watching how you react to other people and you know the whole concept of children not being colorblind I love that because there's no judgment but there is also something to be said for you know what I recognize that your race has been hurt by people of my color in the past or like I recognize that you haven't or people of no color whatever but I recognize that you haven't been treated right and I see you I see your color I see who you are all of you I see your history your generational trauma all of it and I recognize it and my heart goes out to you and I'm here saying that I want to do better and I want to teach my kids better and the same for climate change like we have to just slow down and it's really easy to get caught up in just learning everything you can and it's so scary like my brother just almost had like an existential crisis because he's just learning about it all and it's terrifying but you have to slow down and be like what positive action can I contribute to today and you know whether that's talking to a person of color and saying I'm sorry and how can I do better and how can I support you and I want you to know that you're seen and you're loved and I value you and with climate change if it's just you know every day working towards sustainability or educating yourself in bite-sized chunks like it is making a difference and it's easy to get caught up in the fact that well, maybe my small actions aren't going to do anything, but the way that we cultivate societal change is one bite at a time and just like step by step. And that's why I like, I think protests can be positive. And I think that a lot of times they are, but, and like, I definitely think that we need people out there doing that, but that's just like not my role. And so, like, I'm trying to figure out what is my role, or at least what is my role right now in society. What is my purpose? What can I do to help, and what can I do to cultivate that change that I want to see in society? And I think that that kids being colorblind, the point you're trying to make is if they're all the way colorblind, they're also ignorant to how people are affected by it. Mm -hmm. Because just because you don't see color, other people do. And for you to be colorblind means you're also completely invalidating any struggles they may have had as a person due to the color of their skin or Mm -hmm. what they believe or their race. And I think and I'm we're gonna go all over the place with the climate change, but I think the climate change can also be pretty like overwhelming because I remember looking at it in the popular way or what is like the way that like a woke society would tell you to become like a sustainable household can be so expensive and it's such a daunting task but when you do it in increments or you do it in a way that's like sustainable for you Mm -hmm. like my mom my great it was my great grandmother she would save the plastic bags that came in cereal boxes and use them until they fell apart 
That's so cute. I love that. And part, of that <laughs> and part of that came from, you know, the Great Depression and this need to, like, save everything. Mm-hmm. But also it's that 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 recognition that saving everything isn't a bad thing and yeah. it's it's helping the environment and you're c- producing less waste and if you were to look at her carbon footprint guarantee you a lot smaller than the average households and i just i think that's really cool because she'd like seal them with like a lighter too like oh she'd seal gosh. them all the way and like sandwiches would go in them different things she'd reuse the bags until they just fell apart i love that yeah that's awesome i want to say too that you know generationally um right now culture is all about consumerism you know we talk about the economy and that's what fuels it all and to an economist that's great you know consume 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 that's driving our gdp way up great good for us but when you look at it from uh, maybe even just a mental health like aspect, it's just like, really? Like, what? where's the need? You know, do you need to buy all this stuff? And like, I'm so guilty of it too. It's yeah, just like, you grow happens. up in this culture and it's so relevant in America today. But it's just like, what's the next best thing that I can buy? And how can I spend my money next? And it's just like, consume, 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 and then you're creating more waste and like contributing to child labor and just like all of these things. And it's just like, we need to take that deep breath and be like, no, I'm gonna let go of this because it's not serving me anymore. And I don't know, I just, I've got- That was a very Marie Kondo thing for you. (laughs) It's not serving me anymore. (laughs) That's true, but um, just like the materialism of society like you don't need to go out and shop every week weekend to be worthy or enough sometimes that can like have an effect so we have an effect sorry i'm gonna get kind of weird on the mental health thing because like you said but sometimes that has an effect on your mental health too you, you yeah. don't realize it Definitely. it's because you become so focused on the materialistic things that's what i was trying to get to oh you were glad, okay you took okay yes. so then you get to the materialistics of things and then you almost forget like the other parts of stuff like you get so focused on and this is why people have this is what i think is like the definition of like a midlife crisis is you get so focused on the one thing that you forget to take care of yourself so when you become that like materialistic person like i have to have this i need to have this i need to have this i need to have this this and this and this and this to have it i just need more mm-hmm. it's the um overconsumption of that we never have enough there's yeah. just we always need to get stuff because there's nothing's enough mm-hmm. um no matter the amount of money we have the amount of stuff we have the amount of uh job thing i mean one time next we get a job we're like oh great when's my next promotion like it's never enough to what it is and that can affect your mental health because you're like it doesn't matter what i think it doesn't matter how my body is reacting to this it doesn't matter how much sleep i lose how much i don't eat how much i realize that i've just lost myself i've lost taking care of myself it's always the like how am i gonna do better and how am i gonna do that until you just almost like your mind and your body can just deteriorate to deteriorate from that and it also comes from the fact that we think that in order to go 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 all the time is not a bad thing but to but to have that mental health of um but then also the mental illness of like oh i can i can't do anything because of my anxiety is so filled so if i start one thing i have to be perfectionist about it and so it's for me for my thing is i'm 
a perfectionist. And if I don't think I can make something in the amount of time perfect or I can make it to the standard that I put myself to have it, I will procrastinate until the very end. And then it stresses me out that I don't do it to the perfection. And then it almost makes it worse, my procrastination worse. It makes my feeling of like anxiety of all that a little bit worse. And so that is also not a good mentality. So it's like can go both ways. Okay. So yes, love that. Love everything you just said. But um, I think with the materialism, it's because we lose sight of what's actually giving us fulfillment. And we think that, you know, this external piece of validation is going to mean something to us but when you actually reflect it's not it's not benefiting you in any real way it's not contributing to your happiness or your peace of mind or anything and it's it's like a downward spiral and it's addictive and it is the culture that we were raised with but you know there comes a point in time when it's like will it ever be enough for you and I came to that point and it's just like, no, it won't. So I better figure out how to change. And then you learn that like, you have to be enough within yourself. And I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned is just like learning how to be enough for myself. But um, also with the mental health and everything, there's this term I like, use it's called grind culture and it's like that you know that just like feeling of being on the hamster wheel working that nine to five or whatever it is just to try and make enough money to one day retire and like there's no sense of purpose and you're just working hard and it and like the only way you'll ever be successful is if you have a strong enough work ethic or whatever and um you know I think that that has been instilled in us since we were little you know working hard to get good grades so you can get into a good college so you can get a good job that's going to pay the bills and you can have a family and it's just like what <laughs> what <laughs> and, and then like in athletics or extracurriculars whatever it may be it's like if you work hard enough you will be successful and I just do not partner with that belief at all it's like no Sometimes like I can <laughs> enjoy life I can enjoy the process and still be successful it doesn't have to be grueling and tear me apart and break me and to the point of blood sweat and tears like no I do not agree with that and I hope that that is the biggest change that we will see as a generation right is that like we'll we'll be moving away from that idea of the constant need to just work hard and put in the long hours work overtime and and then you'll be it's and it's just working for the idea of fulfillment at some point in time like Texas like Texas has a really good retirement program for teachers but why would I become a teacher for the money that I'm going to get at 50 years old like 50 years of age like I'm not going to get that money for a really long time so what happened to the fulfillment of like my life now what working to the goal of being successful what about being successful like right now what am I doing to enjoy life now and I think that enjoying life tomorrow yeah success by society standards or is it by your own like to me success looks nothing like a, a number on a paycheck well and what else I mean what people think is like it's not and we're not saying that we're never going to work hard for anything that's not what we're saying 
because there's a lot of people on this world that are like, well, you're just basically saying that you never want to work hard for anything. You just want to be handed everything. But no, that's not what I believe. I'm going to work hard for what I truly think is going to fulfill my life, what yeah. I truly think what I want to do. And then it's do. not even viewed as and work. And then it's not even work. I mean... Because it's like yes. passion. Yeah. And it's an extension of who you are. And it's like that quote, yeah. you know, if you do something that you really love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And so why are there so many people out there just working and slaving yeah. over their job just to just barely for scrape by? Mentally and, like, physically. I mean, yeah, and anything. financially. Yeah. Like, so. Alrighty, so this is part two of our great conversation we started yesterday. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Back again. <laughs> so we ended on um, kind of talking about like worth e work ethic of our um, school or of our generation and how sometimes that can be um, a very controversial concept with um, people that you talk to about that. So um, Avery, you were saying something about how it was um, how our society is thinking, how our generation for sure is like, why would we um, work hard for something that we're not going, that we're going to enjoy later on versus working for something that we want to enjoy right now. So I guess we can start kind of continuing the conversation on that. Okay, so my take on the whole work ethic subject is much different than it used to be. I've seen a big shift just within myself. Um, from the mentality of like lack and always thinking that I wasn't good enough unless I was constantly like working hard and pushing the boundaries and it's it's like that hamster wheel that I talk, talked about yesterday and that's kind of the society that we are brought up in and it's just like you know who tells you that you're not worthy like if you aren't constantly exhausted from working so hard and your your back is hurting and you're so tired and I think that like years of living in that mentality just is detrimental to mental health and I think that's why depression and anxiety are endemic today and um, I just think that there's a time and place for working hard and I don't want to disregard that at all. I think that there are things that it's absolutely worth working hard for, but the concept of having to strive and almost like lose yourself in the process of reaching success, quote unquote, um, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me and I don't think it works for most people and when you realize that, you can start to like live in alignment with who you are and what you want to see in the world. So I think that, you know, growing up, I didn't really understand the whole concept of mental health, but thankfully, the tools and resources that we have today are really expanding awareness on all of that. And it's really special, and I'm so grateful for it. And we can bring awareness and grace and um, understanding to all of these topics of depression, anxiety, um, and everything else. So when we think about work ethic and achieving success from or by society standards, 
it's like at what cost and are you willing to lose your own peace of mind and your own I don't know I guess just like happiness and fulfillment in the face of money or status or titles and to me I'm like I'm just not willing to lose that so it's like sometimes also that once we're so beaten down by all of that work and the fact that there's so many people out there that are um, just mentally tired, they're just mentally exhausted by a point in their life and that our generation pushes so hard for like, well, why would I do something if I'm not enjoying it? Like, and the enjoyment should be the success of it all. I mean, what is what even is really success? What even is really fulfillment until you figure that what that is? And if it's not what I'm feeling now, then maybe it's something else and once I find that that's what I that's what I'll work for and we we, everybody understands that there is there's just certain things we have to do in order to get to what we want to do and that there's just certain things that we have to work hard for because that's just how so our world runs but the fact that most of the time for we could be working on at a job on um, a career on a family that is just absolutely I mean, mentally breaking us down for 30 years. And then for what? To retire at 50, to to retire at 60. And we're like always thinking like, oh, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. But why can't it be better now? Mm -hmm. And why can't our mental health be better now? And some people call that laziness. They think think that, oh, you're just not working hard. Or complacency. And it's not a laziness. It's a, what what is a priority right now for me? Because if I can't take care of myself, then I can't take care of others. I can't do, I can't perform my best and what I want all the time. And it can't just be physical. I can't, it can't just be physically performing my best. It has to be mentally, it has to be spiritually performing my best and everything. Mm -hmm. And mental health is such a huge like thing that is come up come about that is so important because of how many people that don't realize that they even have like not per se of mental illness but they their their mentality is tired their brain is tired their spirit is a little bit shattered a little bit chipped and that they don't realize that that is what keeps you going that's so important to like fix to men to prioritize over everything else yes absolutely i think that like Um, it's just so important to like slow down and when we stay in the endless cycle of like I just got to keep working hard so that one day I'll get a promotion or one day I will have enough money to retire and travel the world and it's like if we keep putting these things off like maybe you'll never get to it and maybe you'll never get to that point where you can enjoy it and if you don't get that promotion and if you don't get to retire and travel the world like are you going to be devastated because that's just like to me I think that we should start to build a life today that we want to live not like working towards something way down the line right and so it's like creating those routines and habits that make you happy today and and then you don't have to work for fulfillment like you can be fulfilled and working towards what you love but you don't have to you know stay on that endless track of um working towards something that will one day satisfy you because you'll never be satisfied like if you if you stay in that mentality you will never be satisfied
Uh, yeah, that's a really great point. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's just so many things that can contribute to all of that. Um, and there's so many things that, as a society, we think that everybody feels the same way. When everybody, we know everybody's created different. Everybody's has a different way of living. Everybody has a different view on and opinions on things. And so what even is, um, what even is right? What even is our sense of like, we have a sense of like good versus bad. We have a sense of what's, what we like, what we don't like. And, um, what's, what makes us fulfilled, what makes us fulfilled as a, um, society makes us fulfilled as a person. Um, and so I think that sometimes it can be really hard to like monitor that as well. Um, especially for like leaders of our um, world and um, in order to please everybody. I mean, you can't please everybody. But which ones are, what are the majority of people that you're trying to please? Which ones are the best ones? Which ones are the best decisions to make? What, are, what is the best um, mentality to have on what other people like? And I think sometimes that can go into um, how people feel about certain issues. Um, I'm gonna segue back into like feminism for a little while, <laughs> but like kind of that, f- kind of comes into play on like which ones, what is the best way to handle um, equality? What's the best way to fight for that? What is the best way to um, make rights, make petitions, make laws on based on what is best for both genders, both I mean just people in general, and I think sometimes we get a little confused on hey, is this really the best way to handle this? What, what is, the, is this the best way to think about this? Is this our best mentality for, um, for us to live the best life, to, for us to live in a life that is safe and a life that is going to be fair for everyone? And um, sometimes that can become like, really hard to figure out and to like, deal with as well. Because I mean, no matter what decision you make, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to um, be mad at about that somebody's gonna be upset about that so (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah um I wanted to like bring up also um kind of things about how uh how our world right now has discovered can we pause yeah I know I'm like I feel like that did not flow (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll edit all of this out.